0: Part 5, Chapter 3 of The Life of Florence Nightingale, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com The Life of Florence Nightingale, Volume 2, by Edward Tyus Cook. CHAPTER THREE SETTING REFORMERS TO WORK 1863-1865 to 1865. I am more hopeful than you appear to be in regard to the good likely to be effected by the report. Although our Indian administration has great difficulties to contend with owing to the nature of the country and the people, it is both honest and able, and I never knew a public measure, the advantage of which was generally admitted, which ultimately was not properly taken in hand. Sir Charles Trevayan, Letter to Florence Nightingale, August 24th, 1862. In the last chapter, we traced Miss Nightingale's hand throughout the famous report of the Indian Sanitary Commission. We saw how she worked for the inclusion, in the Commissioner's recommendations, of machinery for getting the other recommendations adopted we saw too how cleverly she manoeuvred to obtain wide publicity and discussion for the whole subject but this was not enough for her she had created a favorable atmosphere she had provided suitable machinery it remained to set the wheels going round Quote, reports are not self-executive she applied her words in this fresh direction and as in the case of the home commission five years before so now she gave not a moment's rest to herself or anybody else whom she could influence until reforms recommended by the report were set on foot Miss nightingale was as eager in as great a hurry to begin as Determined to have her way as before but the difficulties were now greater in the case of the home army only one department though that to be sure was a dual one was concerned in the case of sanitary measures for the army in india there were the india office and the government of india to be considered as well as the war office and everybody who knows anything about public affairs knows what it means to be the cause of prompt efficiency if departments begin wrangling with each other and then miss nightingale had no longer her dear master lord stanley the chairman of the indian commission was friendly and sincerely desirous to see things done, but he was not an enthusiast. His temperament was cool, his judgment critical. But as I have already said, he had a great belief in Miss Nightingale, and though she did not always find him an easy man to drive, she did it. The moment the report was signed, she was up and at him. He must do as Sidney Herbert did. That is go at once to ministers and insist on immediate steps being taken to put the recommendations of the report into operation Otherwise all their labor might dissolve in air Lord Stanley proposed to wait and see Lord Stanley to miss Nightingale July 10th 1863 Do not fear that Lord Herbert's work will be left unfinished sanitary ideas have taken root in the public mind and they cannot be treated as visionary the test of experience is conclusive the ground that has been gained cannot be lost again july twelfth the first step is to ask what the war and india departments will do if on consideration they consent to the appointment of the commissions recommended with or without modification of our plan the thing is fairly started i am inclined to believe that they will be found willing but we must give them time to read the report if they object to do anything other methods may be tried we have friends in the indian council and lord de grey is a sanitarist i quite agree in what you have to say as being a duty to help the ministry of the day in working out their plans practically i have acted on this rule few matters pass in the india office that do not come before me But such help cannot be offered by an outsider. It must be asked by those who are responsible If sir C. Wood desires assistance in giving effect to the sanitary projects I will not refuse it. There is ample time to consider all this So Lord Stanley was waiting to be asked then it became Miss Nightingale's business to contrive that he should be asked she saw lord de gray begged him to go forthwith to the india office and to suggest it to sir charles wood that he should talk matters over with lord stanley the thing was done lord stanley to miss nightingale july twenty fourth i have had several conversations with sir c wood and from the language he now holds i consider it settled that the report of the commissioners will be acted upon the w o commission being enlarged for the purpose of dealing with indian questions i have also arranged with him for the settlement of all personal claims arising out of our enquiry i hope therefore that we may look on our work as done for the present it is probable that difficulties will arise out of the conflicting claims of the indian and home authorities but these we must be prepared for and deal with as they come up so far all has gone well the duke of newcastle wrote to her to like effect august 31st the report on the indian army is attracting much attention and i have no doubt it will do a great deal of good though there is supposed to be still a very strong obstructive power in the india office for a time it seemed as if official measures would be taken with reasonable celerity two members to represent india were added to the barrack and hospital improvement commission the secretary for india sent a despatch august fifteenth suggesting the formation of sanitary commissions as recommended in the report miss nightingale was asked to draft a code of suggestions which might be sent out to india but soon there was a hitch the military element in the India office quarreled with the report, and it was intimated that there might be similar criticism from the military element in the government of India. The accuracy of Dr. Farr's statistics was to be impugned, and it was to be objected that Miss Nightingale's observations did not in all cases reflect the present state of the Indian stations as if reports which had been taken and must have taken months and months to collect could possibly have been brought up to the last moment and as if the mere fact that such reports had been called for was not likely to lead to some improvement these things need not detain us they were as miss nightingale put it the crimea over again these and those protesting that things were not so bad as they had been painted, and that in any case it was not A who was to blame, but B. But meanwhile, everything was hung up. Lord Stanley, the chairman of the commission, whose report was impugned, was in the country. Miss Nightingale urged and baited him, so she described it, to come up to London and return to the charge. He came in November. And had an interview with her before seeing Sir Charles Wood. Two. And now an event occurred which was followed by results of consequence to her cause. Lord Elgin, the viceroy, while travelling in the Himalayas, was stricken down by a heart complaint from which he was not expected to recover. The question of a successor became urgent the minds of many turned to sir john lawrence but with one exception no indian civilian since warren hastings had permanently held the office of viceroy miss nightingale had unbounded admiration for him the soldier's heart in her loved his heroic deeds what would homer have been she once said if he had had such heroes as the lawrences to sing personal intercourse had filled her with closer admiration for what lord stanley called a certain heroic simplicity in the man for his unaffected piety his rugged honesty his deep sympathy with human suffering in later years a photograph of watt's portrait of lawrence always hung in miss nightingale's room at the moment with which we are now concerned she regarded him as the indispensable man for india not more on account of the threatening border war on the northwest frontier the consideration which doubtless most moved lord palmerston than on account of his sympathy with the cause of sanitary reform an opportunity came for putting in her word sir charles wood consulted his predecessor at the india office and lord stanley in turn talked matters over with miss nightingale she urged him with fervent eagerness to do everything in his power to promote the appointment of sir john lawrence lord elgin died on november twentieth lawrence was appointed on november thirtieth and was to start for india immediately lord stanley to miss nightingale december first i saw sir c wood yesterday the sanitary question was gone into though not so fully as i could have wished Sir J. Lawrence's appointment is a great step gained. He knows what is wanted, and has no prejudices in favor of the existing military administration. I shall see him tonight, and shall probably be able to have some talk with him on the subject. But why should he not see you? The plans are in the main yours. No one can explain them better. You have been in frequent correspondence with him. I believe there will now be but little difficulty in India Let me repeat you must manage to see sir. John Lawrence He does not go till the tenth your position in respect of this whole subject is so peculiar That advice from you will come with greater weight than anyone else Miss Nightingale was among the first to offer congratulations to the new viceroy the terms in which she addressed him expressed what she sincerely and intensely believed miss nightingale to sir john lawrence among the multitude of affairs and congratulations which will be pouring in upon you there is no more fervent joy there are no stronger good wishes than those of one of the humblest of your servants for there is no greater position for usefulness under heaven than that of the government of the vast empire you saved for us and you are the only man to fill it so thought a statesman with whom i worked not daily but hourly for five years sidney herbert when the last appointment was made in the midst of your pressure pray think of us and of our sanitary things on which such millions of lives and health depend Prompted by Lord Stanley miss Nightingale asked the new viceroy to call He was the first of a succession of high Indian officials who made a point of coming to miss Nightingale before leaving for their posts The interview took place on December 4th. Miss Nightingale never forgot either the interview itself or Lord Stanley's kindly anxiety that it should take place thirty years later february seventeenth eighteen ninety three in sending aitchison's memoir of lord lawrence to sir harry verney she wrote how many touches short but sweet i could add to the book the real tale of sir j lawrence's appointment as viceroy will never be told during the only ten days left to lawrence before he started he came to see me how kind it was of lord stanley he came like a footman to my door and without giving his name sent up to ask whether sir john lawrence was coming the interview was one never to be forgotten sir john lawrence discussed the sanitary question with miss nightingale in all its bearings and they exchanged views further by correspondence before he left london miss nightingale to dr farr december tenth i have had the great joy of being in constant communication with sir john lawrence and of receiving his commands to do what i had almost lost the hope of being allowed to do vis of sending out full statements and schemes of what we want the presidency commission to do i should be glad to submit to you copies of papers of mine which he desired me to write and which he took out with him as to the constitution of the presidency commissions if you care to see them they are of course confidential i have also seen lord stanley more than once during these busy days and with sir john lawrence's command we feel ourselves empowered to begin the home commission and to further our plans upon it sir john lawrence so far from considering our report exaggerated considers it under the mark Thus was preparation made for putting the report into execution in India during Lawrence's viceroyalty sir Bartle frere was governor of Bombay men used to say he told Miss Nightingale that they always knew when the viceroy had received a letter from Florence Nightingale it was like the ringing of a bell to call for sanitary progress three within a month of his arrival in india sir john lawrence had set the sanitary commissions on foot and nothing was wanting except hints and instructions from home sir john lawrence to miss nightingale calcutta february fifth eighteen sixty four i write a line to say we have commenced work by establishing our sanitary committees for calcutta madras and bombay they are composed of five members a civilian is at their head and a medical officer as secretary I hope that you will expedite the transmission of India of the codes and rules and plans which have been approved of for home and the colonies We shall then have an idea in a practical shape of the main features of the sanitary system And can readily adapt it to the peculiar circumstances of the country without such a guide we shall often be perhaps working in direct opposition to your views where we differ it will become our duty to set forth the grounds for so doing in sending our plans and reports home pray excuse the hurried scrawl and believe me sincerely yours john lawrence it was not miss nightingale's fault that this plea for expedition was necessary in December eighteen sixty three, Lord de Grey had again asked her to draft a letter to the India office as from the war office on the measures recommended by the royal commission, and she had done it. But days, weeks, months passed, and nothing happened. In January eighteen sixty four, her suggestions in regard to sanitary works required for the improvement of Indian stations, written at the urgent request of the governor-general, were ready, Dr. Sutherland, Dr. Farr, and Mr. Rawlinson collaborating with her. Again, months passed and nothing happened. The Barrack and Hospital Improvement Committee had been officially informed in December of the appointment of the Indian members and requested to report on any matters which might be referred to it by the Secretary of India or the Secretary for War, but as yet no Indian reference had been made. Miss nightingale chafed sorely at the needless delay The governor-general wrote to her again and again pressing for the suggestions She had done her part long ago. The war office had been in possession of her draft for months She tried plain pressure and pressure barbed with sarcasm Poor man she wrote in forwarding to the war office one of the governor-general's letters March 10th he really expects dispatch he thinks we can write a letter in three months he must be more fit for a lunatic asylum than for a governor-generalship or when the government had been having a close division in the house she tried to play the india office against the war office you will all be out this session she wrote to the war office march seventh eighteen sixty four after which i shall be able to get what i like from lord stanley i o but you will not be able to get what you like from General Peel, W.O. It is therefore very desirable that this letter be written now at once while you are still in. It turned out that the reason of the delay was this the War Office had sent a preliminary letter to the India Office, and the India Office resented it. Sir Charles Wood, it was explained to Miss Nightingale, had snubbed Lord de Grey the war office was sulking in its tents accordingly the india office on its part was standing on its dignity and was not going to place itself in the humiliating position of taking action proposed to it by the war office and this was the reason why miss nightingale's suggestions for which the governor-general was asking were still pigeonholed as for minor recommendations in the royal commission's report it was quite true that many of them could be carried out by administrative order and some of them were but the difficulty in the case of others was that it had hitherto passed the wit of man to discover with whom the power or the responsibility of making the order lay well may miss nightingale have written as she did in more than one letter of this time january eighteen sixty four no impression in all my life was ever borne in upon me more strongly than this, that the ministers have never considered the respective jurisdictions of the W.O. and the I.O., and that I.O., W.O., Horse Guards at Home, Commander-in-Chief in India, Governor-General in India, are as little defined as to the respective powers and duties as if India were the Sandwich Islands on the major matter the dispatch of sanitary suggestions to guide their indian authorities miss nightingale now resolved that the delay should come to an end she had drafted an ultimatum to the war office threatening an attack in the house of commons when lord stanley a prominent member of the opposition appeared on the scene he had forewarned miss nightingale as we have heard that the departmental jealousies would cause some delay but seven months had now passed since the report of his commission had been issued and he seems to have thought that this was time enough to allow for the two offices to let off steam between themselves he wrote to miss Nightingale suggesting that he should come to see her and offering if she approved to put pressure either upon Lord de Grey or upon Sir Charles Wood miss nightingale loyally gave her friends at the war office a last chance but they did not care to take it lord stanley saw sir charles wood accordingly promised him parliamentary support in any action which he might take and matters were at last arranged miss nightingale's draught suggestions were submitted to the barrack and hospital improvement commission and with slight alterations were adopted by that body it was a war office commission, but the dignity of the India office was consulted by the statement on the title page of the blue book That the suggestions had been prepared by the said commission quote in accordance with letters from the secretary of state for India in Council unquote. the fact was that they were prepared by Miss Nightingale in accordance with the wishes of Sir John Lawrence when the suggestions had been passed officially it was within her power by the simple expedient of laying in a stock of early copies to prevent a moment's further delay she used the power and could not deny herself a few genial taunts at her official friends i beg to inform you she wrote to captain galton at the war office august eighth that by the first mail after signature i sent off h m s book post at an enormous expense I have a good mind to charge it to you to Sir John Lawrence direct no end of copies of suggestions also to the presidency commissions and that as he is always more ready to hear than you are to pray you sinners I have not the least doubt that they will be put in execution long before the India office has even begun to send them she was not far wrong six or seven weeks elapsed before the official copies were sent and meanwhile, Miss Nightingale was able to get in another jibe. She heard from Sir John Lawrence that he had ordered the suggestions to be reprinted in India. It might be as well, she wrote to the War Office, to hurry your copies for the India Office, who will otherwise receive them first from India. End of section 5, part 5, chapter 3 Setting Reformers to Work. Recording by Lawrence Trask, interfaceaudio.com. Mount Vernon, Ohio.